Hey guys, thanks for joining us on Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. Subscribe to us on Apple and Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify to get notified when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, praisechapellasvegas.com, to find out more about us and give online. Thanks again for joining and enjoy today's message. Hallelujah. As I said, amen, today is Pentecostal Sunday, amen, also Memorial day weekend and so just enjoy this time and let's just celebrate as a church amen this is uh the 50th day after amen jesus was resurrected amen and 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 then the holy spirit came and the promise came and that promise is still alive and and well today all over the earth amen praise the lord Uh, we're going to go ahead and, and continue in our series amen of hope somebody say hope come on no somebody say hope hallelujah we're looking for some hope amen and we are in the book of Isaiah chapter 43 and you can turn there amen and as we read some scriptures from that chapter amen but here the Lord is speaking uh, to the people of Israel the first 39 chapters of Isaiah the prophet Isaiah is calling Judah Israel and the surrounding nations to repent Amen. That, that, that is a summary of the book of Isaiah for the first 39 chapters. Amen. How many know that repentance is needed in the body of church, in the body of Christ today, in the church today? Amen. If we want revival, how many want revival in this place? Come on. How many want revival across this land? Amen. If we really truly want revival in our lives, in our homes, with our children, then repentance must take place. Let that sink inside your mind a little bit. The other half of Isaiah, chapters 40 through 66, are filled with hope as the prophet Isaiah unfolds God's promise of future blessing through the Messiah. Amen. You got to understand, Isaiah is a strong and courageous man of God. How many know that we need strong and courageous people today? People that will stand up and speak the truth and offer hope to this dying world. Come on, somebody. We need people to stand up and know what is right, amen. And what you know today, if you hear the story of what's going on in Target, amen, and all that's going on there, amen, we need to make a stand against Target, Come on, we, we need to just say, you know what, we're not going to shop there if you're doing this. Come on, if you don't know what the story and what's going on there, amen, of, of Pride Month and, and gender and all this other stuff and, the, and what they're advertising there in swimwear, amen, then, then we got to understand today the, what's behind this. You know who designed that outfit, those things? A Satanist. A Satanist designed that for Target. And the Satanist is saying, you know what? God doesn't love you, but we love you. Satan loves you. And that is what is being targeted today to our children. So it's brought out, thrown in their face, amen, on this kind of stuff, amen. And we're going in there and not saying nothing, but people are speaking up now. And we got to understand, you know what, if you're going to do this, then we're not shopping there. Come on. If Target's one of your favorite places, then you need to make a stand and say, is God more better than Target? We, we need to stand up, church. We have to understand that what's behind this, amen, and read the story. You can Google it, amen. It was a Satanist designing the swimmer for Pride Month and pulling people and bringing confusion. 
We have to be a people that are strong and courageous that will speak the truth. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. So his message, amen, is very simple. The message of Isaiah to the nation of Israel and the surrounding nation is simple as return, repent, and be renewed. Return, repent, and be renewed. Somebody say return, return. Repent, repent, and be renewed. That is what God wants to do in the church today. Amen. He wants us to return to him. He wants us to repent from our sins. And as we do that, church, then we ourselves are renewed in mind and in spirit. Can somebody say yes? Then from there, we must trust God in his redemption through Christ and rejoice. Your Savior, our Savior has come and he is coming back. He's coming back again, church. This is what we wait for. This is the anticipation for the church is that Jesus Christ is one day going to come back and pick us up and take us home. Can somebody say yes? So Isaiah brings a message of forgiveness, comfort, and hope. Somebody say hope. Come on. Hope, hallelujah. This message of hope looks forward to the coming of the Messiah. And Isaiah speaks more, listen, about the Messiah than any Old Testament prophet. He spoke more about the coming son. He spoke more about the Messiah. And then, listen, church, listen, hope can is possible because Jesus is coming. Come on, hope for us is possible because a Savior is coming back again. Come on, we can be refreshed because there is compassion for those who repent. No matter how ugly our situation looks like or how evil the world is, amen, is that we must continue to be God's faithful people whose hope is for his return. Come on, that's what we press forward. I go forward because he's coming back. I stay, I stay safe because he's coming back. Amen. I, I stay consistent, amen, and holding on to the truth because I know that Jesus is coming back. Come on, somebody say he's coming back. Come on, someone online, tap out. He's coming back. Hallelujah. There is hope in the Lord's promise of victory. Here in the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, the prophet's task was to be a witness, telling the world of who God is and what God has done. In verses 13 to 9, he's he's speaking of that. Believers, come on, followers today, we share a responsibility of being God's witnesses. Come on, tell your neighbor, you need to be a witness. Come on, no, look at somebody, be a witness, be a witness. Come on. That, 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 that is our responsibility, amen, that we have to be God's witness to this world, amen. Do you know, uh, people, uh, do people know what God is like through your words? Do they know how, what he's like through your exampleship? Listen, they cannot see God directly, but they can see him uh, and are reflected in him in you and through you. Come on, do you show Jesus to this world? And today we're going to start it in Isaiah 43. We're going to start at verse 14 through 17 of this chapter, amen, about hope. Amen? And this is what the Lord says. It says this. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, 
For your sakes I have sent an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships that they're so proud of. I am the Lord, your holy, the Holy One, Israel's creator and king. Uh, right here, God is stating, I'm the king, not King Nebuchadnezzar. No other leader in the, that's going on in, in, the, in those nations today. He says, I am the king. Amen. He says, I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters and making a dry path through the sea. I call forth the mighty armies of, of Egypt with all its chariots and horses, and I drew them beneath the waves and drowned them in their lives, snuffed out like a smoldering candlestick. What the Lord is saying here is that to his captive nation of Israel, he's reminding them of the story of the birth of their nation. And the Lord takes them back to remember the exodus from Egypt in verses 16 through 17. And he's asking them, do you remember? Do you remember your exodus? Do you remember your deliverance? Do you remember your Egypt? Come on, God sometimes has to take some of us back to remember. Come on, come on, because sometimes we forget. Come on, somebody. We forget what the Lord has done in our lives, amen. And so he takes them back, and he says, this is how I birthed the nation of Israel. Don't you remember when I, when I pulled you out of Egypt, when you were in slavery, I took you out of Egypt. I, I delivered the people of Egypt. And so he's telling them a story again to remember. So here's a picture of a new exodus for a people once again who's oppressed. The Israelites had been slaves in Egypt before the Exodus. And so Israel would cry to God once again. And again, God would hear them. And again, God would deliver them. And again, God would give them hope. Come on, somebody. Aren't you glad that there is hope in Jesus? Amen. Aren't you glad that he's a God of the again? Come on, somebody. Come on. We, we go through the seasons, amen, and we forget about what he's done. And once again, we start to cry out to God. And again, he hears us. And again, he delivers us. And he gives us hope. We must remember, church, that when you're going through a season, everybody, anybody been through a season? Come on, anybody going through a season? Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Come on. I'm serious. Sometimes we're going through season. We're going through storms. We don't know what we're going through. Amen. We go through a storm. We go through a battle. We deal with oppression, depression. We deal with sickness. Your marriages get hit. Your finances get hit. Come on. Am I talking to anybody in this house? Amen. And we, and we go back. Amen. And there's times that we have to go back to remember what he's done. Amen. That the same God of yesterday can do it again. Come on, somebody. Come on, there's no reason to doubt. God can do it again and again and again and again. Come on, he's a God of the again, church. Doesn't matter how bad your situation looks or how bad the report is from the doctor. I'm here to let you know that God can do it again and again and again. He's that kind of God. Isn't there a song we used to sing that? He's a God, amen? There's no reason to doubt God can do it again. So God reminds Israel that it was he 
He was the one that made a way through the Red Sea. Come on, he made a, a dry path through those mighty rivers or that mighty water of the Red Sea. He was the one who lured the Egyptians into the middle of that dried up sea and let the walls, the towering walls of the water fall down, crashing on them, on, on Pharaoh's army, and they all died. He just extinguished them. One version said he snuffed them out like a wick. I was going to bring a little candle and just bring the, the thing that shuts it off, amen, and just, come on. Come on, he, he, he tells them that the Egyptians that you see today, you'll see no more. Come on, the, the problems that you see today, God says, you'll see no more. Come on, if we believe God and trust God that he's a God that can do it again and again, what you're going through right now, let me tell you, say, what you're going through right now, you'll never see it again if you put your trust in me. God is a God that delivers. He's a healer. He's a provider. He's all that. That's the God that we serve. Can somebody say yes? So he tells them, I'm the God that did all this. Because I want you to remember what I did for you. So he takes them back and he paints a picture and he uses the prophet Isaiah to remind them. Listen, church. Israel's history, Israel's identity was based on that mighty act of redemption performed by their God. Amen. Come on, that they, listen, would not exist if it was not for his divine action. Most of us, if not all of us, would not be here today, church, listen, if not by God's mighty act of redemption and his divine action, amen, that saved us. Come on, some of us should have died in jail. Some of us should have died in the world. But God's redemption made a way, amen, and his actions came and says, I'm going to save my son. I'm going to save my daughter. He made a way for you. You're not here by your own. You ain't all that. God's all that. Amen. And why we're here today is because of his redemption and his love for you. Come on, we didn't strain it out. And it was not AA and AAA and all these other A's. Hallelujah. It was only God, eh? <laughs> That's the only God. God's the one that got those there are programs out there. There's things out there that help us through, but God ultimately gets all the, the glory. Amen. It's God is why I'm here today. It's God is why I'm not an alcoholic today. It is because of God and only God that my marriage is put back together. It's only God, hallelujah, that you stand here breathing here today God made a way for you come on somebody have you forgot see Israel forgot Israel had to be reminded it was I who did this for you and sometimes God has to come to us it was I that you're still alive it was I that why you're here today and why your marriage is here, your finances are here. We, we sometimes forget, church. But what God says next will blow your mind. What he's, what, he, what he's saying right now in verses 16 to 17, what he say? To remember, right? 
He's taking them back. He says, yeah, I want you to remember when I formed you as a nation. I want, to, I want you to remember when I took you out of Egypt. I want you to remember the, remember the Red Sea and I parted it and, and I dried it up and made you walk. And then I lured your enemy in and I killed them all for you. Amen. I made a way for you. But look what he says next through the prophet Isaiah that will blow your mind. Ready to get your mind blown? Amen. Somebody say, blow my mind, Pastor. He says, but forget all that. He tells him to remember, but he says, forget all that. In verses 14 and 17, he's reminding them, but in the very next verse, he says, but forget all that. Look what it says right there, Isaiah 43, 18. It says, but forget all that. NIV says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. The King James Version says this. Do not remember the former things. No, consider the things of old. Wait a minute, God. What's going on here? You take us back. You remind us of what you have done for us. But then you go on and say, you know what? I want you to forget all that. Don't dwell on the past. But wasn't forgetting God's amazing redemption the sin that led Israel to exile? In Psalms 106 is an example describing how Israel forgot all that what God done. Look at 106. Psalms 106, 7 through 11. It says this. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. No, they did. They remember the multitude of your mercies, but they rebelled at the sea, the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for his namesake, that he might make a, uh, his mighty powers known. He rebuked the Red Seas, and also it dried up. So he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. He saved them from the hand of him who hated him, hated them. And redeemed them from the hand of the enemy, and covered the water, and cover, and the waters covered their enemies. Not, none of them were left down. But if you skip down to verse thirteen, it says, "But they soon forgot his what? Put it up there. Verse thirteen. They soon forgot his works, and they did not wait for his counsel." They forgot his works and did not wait for his console church. God was telling his people to remember. And then, how come is God saying to forget? Forget the formal things. Don't dwell on the past. So why forget, church? God might be talking about the recent past of the exile of Babylon, maybe. Or he's talking about all the troubles they have been experiencing the 30 plus years, maybe. Or the years of captivity or, or the years of struggle and the years of pain. Maybe he's talking about that. You know what? I want you to forget all that. So it's possible that he's telling them, forget that. Come on, anybody had problems after salvation? 
Maybe he's talking about the in-between parts. But what is most obvious here, when the Lord spoke through Isaiah to forget all the former things, was the thing he just talked about in verses 14 to 17. This is the freshest thing. And he's reminding them, but then he's telling them to forget about all that. Why would God tell them to forget all that? Well, the stories of the formal things were complicated. If you know the story of Israel, they're complicated people. <laughs> Come on, maybe he's telling them, that, you know, those things were complicated. It involved a lot of complaining, a lack of resources, divine absence, and the judgment of death over an entire nation. Listen, church. Remember God wanted to wipe them out because of their unbelief and rebellion? They didn't cross into the promised land, amen, but Moses pleaded as a, as a pastor and said, don't do that, remember? Amen. He says, all right. God sometimes says, all right. <laughs> but he says, but they're going to wander in the desert for 40 years until that whole Rebellion, unbelieving, complaining generation dropped dead. He didn't wipe them out there, but he, he took them out there. <laughs> they didn't enter the promised land. That generation did not enter in church. Their children entered in. Their wives didn't, but they did it. So is this a call to forget the negative things of the past, even though the past was dominated by the miracles of Exodus. It's like God telling us, I want you to forget those setbacks in between your salvation and now. I, I want you to forget, you know, those things right there. And what God's really telling them right now, he goes, he's, he's, he says, you know, he's not saying no, remember them, but don't dwell on them. I want you to catch that. He's not really saying, don't, don't forget all that. Don't forget that. Don't forget what I did. But he says, don't dwell there. Why does God really want us to forget? Because God is a God of hope, church. And God always brings new hope. Come on, somebody. Come on. The new hope answer is found in the next few verses. Look, let's read. Let's read on. Isaiah 43, 18 to 21 says this. First he says, forget all that. Why? It's nothing compared to what I'm about to do. <laughs> Come on, somebody. It says, there's nothing compared to what I'm about, what I'm going to do. I am about to do a new thing. Come on, somebody. And I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness and I will create the rivers of the dry land, of the dry wasteland. The wild animals in the field will thank me. The jackals and the owls too for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in this dry wasteland so that my chosen people can be 
refreshed. I have made a vow. I have made Israel my, for myself. And one someday they will honor me before the whole world. Amen. Come on. He says, you know what? Forget the former things. It's nothing to compare about what I'm going to do now. I'm about to do a new thing. I said, God is about to do a new thing. God is about to do a new thing in your life, amen. He says, man, open your eyes. Do you not see it? Do you not perceive it? As another translation says. Church, the past is the past. Church, come on. I know there have been some great things that have happened in our past, in your past, amen. But God is saying right here today to the Israel nation, stop living in past miracles. Come on, stop trying to relive old revivals. Come on, somebody. Stop living in your past, amen. I know that some of the past was good and some of it was bad. But I want you to forget all that. Why? Because I'm about to do something new in your life, amen. Come on, I'm going to give you some new miracles. I'm going to give you some things that are going to blow your mind. That the past cannot even compare what I'm going to do in the future. Thus saith the Lord, hallelujah. Come on, don't get stuck there, church. Come on, stop living in 1999. Come on, stop living in 2005, amen, 2015. Whatever day, whatever year was a good year for you. Why? Because God is about to do something even greater than the best years that you have ever had, church. Come on, he says, open your eyes. Do you not see it? We're trying to relive old revivals. We're trying to relive an old revival service of the past. Amen. You're trying to relive some things back there, but that's your past. And God says, I want you to focus on the new today. The new that's here. Amen. There's more ahead of you than behind you, church. Going back there is not going to change nothing. You'll remember some things, but God says, don't dwell on those things. Don't dwell on those things. They cannot come back to life. They're dead. They're the past. I want to do something new. Come on, somebody. Come on. This Man, this ain't 1999, man. Some of you guys are stuck 20 years back. You can't even go further no more. You can't go forward. You're back there trying to relive and trying to even dress like 1999. Listen, so most likely the reason for God's call for Israel not to do all the past, to forget the past, is because God wanted them to focus on their future. The future is full of complaints. I mean, the past is full of complaints, not the future. You're like, I don't want to go to the future. There's complaints. <laughs> well, I, I can tell you right now, church, there's complaints in the future too. But maybe we can handle them different than the past. He says, I want you to focus on the future because back there you didn't believe. Back there you doubt it. Yeah, I saved you through the midst of that, but you didn't believe some of the things I told you. Because you're not living it today. Come on, that, that, that's why you're in exile. That's why you're still wandering. 
That's why you can't cross over. That's why you can't get a hold of God's promises because they're still stuck in the past, amen, trying to relive something that God spoke to you through a, through a man of God, a woman of God back 20 years ago. And God says, I'm trying to talk to you right now because I got something new that I want to say to you, but you're not listening because you're stuck in the past. Let me tell you, I had calls in the past, but my calls today are new and different. Those were good and exciting, but God has something better for me now in 2023 and ahead, church. Come on. I'm living in the now, not in my past. Well, come on, just like our theme, church. Come on, God wants us to focus on crossover, but we can't cross over if we're still stuck in our past. If you're still stuck with a complaint back there, you're still stuck there, back there because she said something to me and I don't know. You're still stuck with all this stuff and jealousies and all this stuff. You're still stuck because a sister that gave you the, the evil eye. I don't know what it is. Amen. You're still stuck there. Amen. You're still living in your pity party back there in 2022. Amen. Whatever it is. I say, nah, I don't want to go. Some of you still stuck in COVID. Come on, the enemy has you shackled down in bondage and locked down in COVID, amen, that you're living in fear instead of living in faith, amen. God says, you know what? That's over, amen. COVID's over. I'm a God of now, and I want to set you free now and break the spirit of fear over you that the enemy has blinded you with. I want to do something new. Do you not see it? That's with the God that we serve. Tell your neighbor, get out of the past. Some of you guys still finding, trying to find old boyfriends back there in the past. No, oh, I'm going to get Julio and get him saved. Julio's gone. Hallelujah. Start looking for a Joshua, a Caleb, someone in the future. Amen. That's a man of God. Amen. Stop looking, start looking for an Isaiah, a David, a Shama. Come on, look for a man of God, ladies. You guys trying to look, oh, I'm looking for the cool guy. There ain't no cool guys. There are God guys. Stop being picky and let God bless you with a man of God. Same thing for the men. Let the woman of God that God brings to you. And the one that you have right now, keep it. Keep it. Five years over here. Happy anniversary five years there. Hallelujah. Keep it. Come on. Don't look at the past. Well, I remember when you used to. Shut up. Let God do something new today. Come on. Don't bring out that old boyfriend that you, you yeah, he got you together, but focus on the new today. Come on, somebody. Forgetting, listen, forgetting the formal things was a way of calling Israel to hope in the future things that God would do. 
That was her calling. That's what his calling was for Israel. I want you to forget the formal things because I want you to focus on the future. Perhaps Israel had begun to think that, the, that salvation was the only thing of the past. That their best days were behind them. What God did in the past was it. That God can't act again. That there was no hope for a new exodus. It's like us, we start to begin, start to begin to think, hey, man, this is the best it's going to be. This is the best my marriage is going to be. So I'm going to accept it. Come on, somebody. This is the best it's going to be, amen. I'll never find a spouse. I'll, I'll never truly be happy, amen. This is it. Come on, you ever felt like that? I'm saved. I'm getting my money. I get my tithes, amen. But the things don't do to change, amen. She's not changing. He's not changing. I guess this is it. And we start to think this is the best it's going to be. So, oh, well, this, that's it. I don't want to go back to the world. I'll just live unhappy. Come on, there, there's so many. There are so many. Oh, that's a lie for us, baby. It's a lie for us. Hallelujah. But there are so many Christians here today, man, here in the church today, maybe not here, but you know what? They're living unhappy. And they start reflecting on the past, thinking the past when they were in the world was better than what God was doing in their life because they forgot what God did, amen. And they're not focused on the future. Come on. Church, that, that's not the best. God wants to give you so much more. God wants to bless you so much more. God wants to make you happy so much more. Come on, God wants to give you all of it. He says, I got everything, church. I have everything. I can give you anything you want. I'm God. Amen. What do you want? I'll give it to you. You have not because you ask not. Or you ask with wrong motives. Amen. Come on, church. My daddy's good. My daddy gives me everything. Come on. Come on. Does he spoil me sometimes? Yeah. But he doesn't make me a brat. He don't make me a brat. I appreciate some things. Things that he don't give me that I ask for. I say, okay, God, you know what's best. I don't complain. I don't get on the floor. Ah. Ah. Like your kids, they go, ah, and then you give it to them. Oh, you, they won you. Let me tell you, God's not impressed with your, ah. He'll just wait for you and say, are you done? Yeah. I mean, there's so many Christians on floors today kicking and screaming because God didn't give them what they're asking for, amen. And they're still on the floor today, amen. And they're wondering why they can't get into their future to the promises that God has for you because you're still stuck in your past. Woo! You're quiet, I don't care. <laughs> Isaiah 43 is addressed to Israel. Listen, who was stuck in the past, between the past and their future. So many Christians today stuck between the past and the future. But God always comes with hope, church. He always comes for hope. The prophet Isaiah comes on the scene. 
and he begins his prophecies of hope in chapters 40 to 40 uh, to 55 you can read those chapters those 15 chapters it talk, all it talks is about hope Israel had no hope of release from bondage they're hundreds of miles away from home some scholars say it's about 1,700 miles from their home. They're, they're exiles, amen. They, they're, they're, they're in bondage, amen. And they're, they're 1,700 miles away from home. And if they take the shortcut, it's 900 miles. But they had to go straight through the desert of burning sand without a drop of water in between occasional oasis. Talk about no hope, church. Man, I'm 1,700 miles away from home, but if we take the shortcut, it's shorter, but we got to go through burning sand with no water. We'll die. No hope. But God, <laughs> God makes them a promise of hope. Another exodus in a different way, actually in the opposite. The God who made a way through the sea will now make a way through the desert. The God that dried up the Red Sea will make streams in the wasteland. Come on. The God who did the impossible when he led Israel out of Egypt will do another impossible thing, thing by leading Israel out of exile. Give me the water. God, once again, would bring hope. He made a way through all those miles of burning sand. Come on, how many know that he is a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, hallelujah. Come on, this is a God that you and I serve, amen. What he says he'll do, he'll do, church. All you got to do is believe. All you got to do is just take a step of faith and say, God, let's go, amen. Come on, they don't question God. God says, I'm going to make a way for you. Just keep walking. Way maker, miracle worker. Promise keeper. Ooh, come on, somebody. Somebody ought to break out in song right now. Come on, somebody. We get stuck in our, our trials. We get stuck in our, our seasons. And, and we forget he's a way maker. We forget that he's a miracle worker, church. We forget him and he's a promise keeper. Come on, if you want to know about hope, amen, read those 15 chapters of 40 to 55 of Isaiah and maybe God will start to breathe hope inside you once again and let it remind you of a God that he is. God will provide water for his people. Not just a fountain of water that gushed out of a rock, but streams and even rivers flowing through a wasteland. Come on, somebody. As Isaiah prophesied, and as we sing that song, deserts will bloom in the light of his love. Valleys make room for the rivers of God. Never run dry. Never run dry. Never run dry. That's where that song came from. Come on. Don't you remember singing those songs? You remember? This is what he was doing for the people of Israel. Another exodus. 
another exodus from exile from Babylon, amen. He takes them out of Egypt, and because of their non-belief, they, they get back into exile, amen. And God comes and delivers them again, and he says, I'm going to make rivers in this wasteland. Come on, somebody. The scripture even says that the wild animals, the wild animals will join the people praising God for this miracle. Wild animals that are living in the desert in that burning sand, they're going to drink from the water and they're going to praise God for the water. Wow. All creation will praise God, church. A new exodus will take place through a new wilderness. A new exodus would take place through a new wilderness, church. The past miracles were nothing, church, nothing compared to what God would do for his people in the future. Amen. Let me tell you, whatever happened in 1999, 2005, 2000, 2015, whatever it is, church, that was a great year for you, he says, I'm going to blow your mind even more. I'm going to blow your mind even more. When you first got, I don't even care when I first say, it's going to be better. I don't care what I've done in Utah. I don't want you to dwell there. I want you to forget that. Don't dwell. Don't put your mind there. Don't live there because I want to do something new in you. There's nothing back what I did back there. And they could have been some great things, but I got some greater things for you. Nothing compares to what I'm going about to do. An important point here, though, is, listen, God does not deliver his people because they were good people. I want you to listen to that. God did not deliver Israel because they were a bunch of good guys. Because the very next verses of chapter 43, and you can read this on your own, points out that these people that he's about to deliver, a new exodus have burned him and, and, and burdened him with their sins. And it says it, it wearied him on their offenses. The same people he's about to live, he said, man, these people gave me a headache. They weren't good people. And even their, their prayer and their offered sacrifices were half-hearted. Come on, somebody. Listen, from the first days of Israel's life to the present, they have not been faithful covenant partners. That's why they were in exile. They have never been faithful. They were seasonal Christians that served him for things. Get me out of Egypt? Okay, I'll praise you. Hook the Red Sea? Ah, you came here to kill us. Parts the Red Sea? Oh, I praise you. Ah, we're hungry. <laughs> he feeds them. Everything. They were not faithful. Come on, somebody. And sometimes we got to question ourselves. Have we been faithful, God? God, I, I don't, I don't want to be considered like that. Am I, have I fallen short? Have I been like them? Have I gone through seasons of serving you and then complaining about you? 
Have I been through seasons of worshiping you and loving my family and saying, I don't like that church no more? But God, am I, am I that? And we're wondering why we're in our exile. And some of us still stuck in our Egypt. Come on, church. God wants to set you free. God wants to give you hope because he's the God of again. He still loves you. <laughs> Despite of what you have done. He still loves me, man. Despite of what I do. Come on, church. He's the God of again. So what does God do? He delivers them again. <laughs> he delivers them again. They, not because they deserve it. He delivers them again, amen, because he's a God of grace who forgives the undeserving. Isaiah 43, 25, let me read a little bit of that, amen, that you'll read on your own, amen. It says, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my sake, and I will never think of them again. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Come on, someone online say amen, amen. Type out amen, hallelujah. Someone in this house say amen. Come on. He says, I'm going to blot it out. I don't care if you haven't been faithful to me. I am still faithful to you, amen. And I will remember your sins no more today. Today, if you believe, I'll give you a brand new start. Today, if you come to me, I will make a way through your dry wasteland. I, God, will do this and I will remember it no more. Come on, tell your neighbor, that's a start over for me. Woo! Man, you were worried, man. Oh, man, I messed up yesterday. He says, I'm going to erase it today. I'm going to erase it today if you come to me. If you come to me. If you repent. If you repent. Come on, if you return, I'll renew. Come on, somebody. Come to me, repent, return, repent, remember, and renew. God will lead them out of exile and provide water, listen, for their journey. So that why? So that they may declare his praise. Come on, only God can make water come out of a wasteland and bring streams and rivers where there was no water once before. Come on, he did the opposite of opening up a river to making rivers and giving them water to drink for their journey back home. God redeems us again and again, church. Not because he sees how good we are, but because he wants a people to become good and to be a people that will praise him for his amazing grace come on the things that God does in our lives church half the time we don't deserve it but he does it because he's full of grace full of mercy and he loves you and he does that to take us back and to remember but to also remind us I want to do something new in you new in your life as I wrap this up today, our God, our Redeemer, come on, how many know he's our Redeemer? Amen. And he's a God of hope. Can somebody say amen? amen? 
But listen here, church. I want, to, I want you to listen. God's question for his exiles is a good question for us today and those that are online today. And the question is, do you perceive it? Do you see it? Come on, you've got you to gotta see it, church. He says, do you see it? For I'm about to do something new, says the Lord. And see that I've already begun. Do you not see it? And if we're honest today, church, most of us will say, no, I don't see it. Come on, let's just be honest. Where you're at right now in your present life, your present condition right now. Come on, we see, we're hearing a message of hope right here. But many of us here say, man, pastor, I don't see it. I don't see the new. I don't see what he's beginning because you're in your troubles and you're in your mess ups and you're in all this stuff right now. Come on, let's be honest. We don't see it. I don't see the things that God's doing in my life. And I know that we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. But I think God wants us to see by faith and walk in it. Come on, he wants us to see by faith and walk in it, church. That's something, faith is what's seeing things that you don't know that's there, church. You got to see it. God, I see it. God, I see the new. I see my marriage better. I see a better husband. I see a better wife. I see a better future, God. It's not right now, but by faith, I see it, and I'm going to walk in it. Church, there has to be a call to believe. A call to believe that the God who acted in the past can still do the new things for our future. Amen. We must believe that. If we are preaching to a dying world who is stuck, imprisoned by forces beyond their control, a world that cannot imagine that God can or will set them free a people that just want to get back home a place where they can find peace once again then we must remind them of the story of hope amen and assure them that god will send streams of mercy and rivers of grace into their lives church not because they deserve it, but because we, because of a father's love for them, full of grace, and who is faithful to his covenant. Church, there's a dying world, and if we're not living it and acting it and, and being it, then how are they going to follow us? You who complain. You who talk about the church. You who talk about your God. How are we going to make it possible for those that are shackled in the world, hopeless, caught up in their mess, church, unless we show them a message of hope that God will come and set you free, church. God, God will set you free, my friend. God will set you free, my coworker. Man. God can do this, not because you deserve it, because God loves you and he sent his son for you and he died on the cross that you can be set free and that you can get this blessed hope that we talk about, that, that we live about, church. Come on, that's what we got to show this dying world. A father who sent his son, Jesus, to give them hope and make a way, listen church, to get back home. Isn't that what we're trying to do, church? Is get back home? 
Do you know that this is not our home? We're aliens. We're just passing through, church. The whole thing is, the hope is to get us home. This is not home, church. You may have a good home. You may have a good life, but this is not it. Church, we're, we're, we're trying to just get back home. Go back where we came from. To a father who created us. To be with him forever. I'm just trying to get home. And I'm trying to get the world home too. But if we are not living that way, then people will never walk that way. And they'll be stuck in their past or stuck between the past and their future. Church, let's show them home. Let's cross over and let go of that past. Stop living that. Well, whatever was back there that makes you happy, God says, I want to do a new thing. And I've already begun it. Do you not see it? Do you not perceive it? And you cannot see, church, if you're stuck back there. You cannot see if you're still trying to relive something back there. God wants to do something new right here. Come on, let's all stand.